Okay, like, I mean, so, but then is it philosophy? I mean, I don't know. So you can write anything. Uh, and certainly yeah, pushing like, the boundaries I don't know what that proves. of what philosophy I don't, I don't, is. I don't know what that, pro- I just don't know what that proves to be like, yeah, you did it. So therefore we should take the philosophy seriously because he like did it. But and it's one of those, what did he do? One of those. Well, this uh, is what the, not, I mean, this is what Deleuze and Guattari did with philosophy also in Antioedipus. The question they start out with, um, not directly, but methodologically, is what can writing do? And then they experiment with it. Now, I think that their experiment was much more successful and much more uh, impactful, I guess, than this, because a lot of this seems like, how would I describe it? Like the well, beginning can we go of it. Some examples. That'd the, be fun. I the think. beginning <laughs> of it. Okay, I felt like you know you go to these art, the really pretentious like art exhibits, and I mean I went to art school, so I don't know how how communal this experience will be, but there's a kind of art school kid and a kind of artist, I guess. They make a sculpture, and the sculpture is like, oh, the guy has a TV for a head instead of a head, or or like there's a a sculpture and then the guy has a phone sticking out of his head and that's your piece of art or a painting of it, right? And then you read the artist statement and the artist statement is something like Nick Land would write. The, the, the superflation of technological appendages today represents the synergy of the lived body and the artificial body, the endpoint culmination of modernity and the malaise of the non-human interface. Blah 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 blah. I'm just making. Is that up- actually from him? No, I'm making up words. Okay, because that actually made more sense than a lot of the <laughs> shit that he fucking wrote. No, it really I is. I mean, it's like it's something stupid with all this explanation after it. And mm. shut up, dude. This is just a sculpture of a guy can, with can a I- phone sticking out of his mm-hmm. head. There's nothing to over-explain. So that is how I felt at the beginning of this essay. I will agree yeah. with you on that. Yeah, it does. It does verge on that kind of art babble like we got from the new Candyman movie. If, if you saw that, the, those scenes where he's explaining his art are just fantastic. Like it's just so full of shit, but it sounds good, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. And it makes me think as well, you know, when they wrote Star Trek episodes, they would write like the characters and the conflict and the plot, and then they would just leave these big gaps and it would just say, insert techno babble here. And that's what we're getting is we're just getting the techno babble with no plot, no chronology, no no interpersonal conflict, just pure techno babble in a certain way. But then could I could I read a paragraph? Okay, sorry. Yeah, no, please please do it. I had a paragraph that I thought lined up with something earlier that I said right because remember when I said he's taking the side of the replicants? Well, he straight up says here, anti Oedipus aligns itself with the replicants from Blade Runner. That is because rather than placing a personal unconscious within the organism it places the organism within the machinic unconscious right and that makes me think you know i don't know it's like anything we're unconscious of is part of the unconscious if we're no longer talking about a personal consciousness that's located inside of us we are organisms after all if we're just and if we're hooked up to cyberspace, I mean, our unconscious is massively expanded. Like you could, ju- you're just flipping McLuhan inside out, right? It's not that technology is extending our senses; it's extending, um, maybe not extending our unconscious, but extending a machinic unconscious to us. That's all interconnected, and you know, we become a node in a system. And that's the best way I can think about it. And then obviously the thesis here is is spring critique from its Kantian mainframe. 
that is its location inside of a subject as i just sort of said yeah sorry go ahead well i okay yeah so one thing i was gonna say is like yeah i mean earlier when i was talking about how he just seems like he asserts things right and then like I mean, you know, like a good example of just like the kinds of assertions where I feel like a bit confused between like kind of what Pills is saying is like this kind of philosophy is just experimenting with language. And then like, you know, whatever my my philosophy, my traditional philosophy brain, it's like, OK, but there's claims being made here. Right. There's like a tr there's like a claim, an assertion of things. Right. So like an example is like he's talking about a quote, I think, from Deleuze and Guattari. And he says, you know, desiring machines are assemblages of flows, switches and loops connective disjunctive and disjunctive conjunctive syntheses implementing the machinic unconscious as a nonlinear pragmatics of flux right so like that's just like to me a claim about the way things are right like something that is the case and it's just like sometimes it felt like the writing is just making those assertions and i'm just like okay well wait 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 what's that based on and then there's like a denial of kind of like a perspective right so that's where i that's an example of like where i feel like there's kind of a sleight of hand happening where it's like okay i'm just like describing the way things are but then it's like but you're actually just like making assertions um that are like from like no perspective that uh, that that is a kind of you know hyper functionalism right like things are what things do there's nothing held back you know it's the type of thing graham Harmon would critique saying you know taking a relational perspective is is overmining because you're saying things are their relations and so it's a kind of hyper functionalism right, so another Deleuze and Guattari quote what are your desiring machines what do you put into these machines what is the output it's a cybernetic input output model desiring machines are black boxes there's nothing inside of them there's no right there's in, you look inside, you find more machines. You look inside those, you find more machines. There's no unconscious. There's no barrier between the unconscious and the conscious. It's machines all the way down, I, and I'm probably butchering that. But I should disclaim that this is <laughs> this is going to be like my first reaction to Land because I've never read Land before. Yeah, yeah, and for sure. Okay, and I highlighted a like a, I highlighted a bunch of things in purple. Where, you know, I also didn't have the most time and where and purple signified like, what the fuck is he talking about? Like, that's what purple signified. <laughs> Color coded. What the fuck? Yeah. And it's just like what? And so here he's talking. I think, again, he's, it's like a paragraph down from when he's, you know, quoting Deleuze and Guattari again. And it's like a couple paragraphs down from that on page 326. And he says, the matrix body without organs or abstract matter is a planetary scale artificial death. Synthanatos the terminal productive outcome of human history as a machinic process, yet is virtually efficient throughout the duration of this process, functioning with within a, a circuit that machines duration itself. In this way, virtuality lends its temporality to the unconscious, which escapes specification within extended time series, provoking Freud to describe it as timeless. Yeah, that's like a like quilt I of different philosophers, right? Like... The Matrix is from Neuromancer, and there's like all these. But what is he saying? I don't know, man. <laughs> like I can't, <laughs> like, I can't react off the cuff. But I have an example of that, of this uh, word saying? gibberish. And I, I have to say, patrons, don't let this turn you off, because I read the whole thing carefully, and by the time I got to the end, I felt like I had, uh, I felt like postcoital. So, but at the beginning, he defines this, this 
pod concept or pods. Oh yeah. So I pods was gonna ask about that. is a politically organized defense system. So this was when I was, I hadn't, I hadn't entered the flow of the writing yet, and I was still thinking too critically, like Victor. So <laughs> like what? Is- I go okay. What are you referencing? Broke down the terms. I'm like okay. He's referencing Anti Oedipus, the mommy daddy triangle as a state structure, and he does it in this language. The pods seek metaphorical sustenance in the corpuscular fortifications of organisms and cells. The global human security allergy to cyber revolution consolidates itself in the new world order or to consummate macropod. So I broke down this sentence, tried to figure it out. It took me a couple minutes. And then in English, I wrote my translation. It just means that social structures that look like they repress from above actually repress from within and in basic family structures it, it, all the way down, right? Yeah, There's they, hierarchy inscribed. They grab the you from the inside. <laughs> but the problem is the next paragraph, he goes on to something completely different. So I'm like, you wasted my time trying to figure out what <laughs> you mean. And it is the easiest thing to describe in English. And he never brings it up again. I guess he does bring the macro pot up like once later on. But like, what is the point of wasting my time with this? But I will I, say... Pretentious. It's fucking pretentious. <laughs> okay, sorry, go ahead. It's like, yeah, you owe me your time, reader. Anyway, I was pissed off about this at the beginning. Throughout the middle, it actually gets pretty interesting and I think less pretentious. He does an argument with Kant. He sets up a fictional debate between... Uh, a Kantian subject and a Deleuzean subject. And I got into that stuff. And then he goes way back into the poetics again, talking about sci-fi. It's about uh, Neuromancer and like a book that I've read. So I guess it makes more sense than if you haven't read it. Otherwise, it would sound like more more gibberish. But my, I guess my analysis of it is this style of writing that does seem on its face pretentious, annoying. It takes a long time to get to a point. If there's even a point to be made there, sometimes the point being made underneath isn't even good. But at least affectively for me, having read through it, by the time I got to the end, I felt different. So that's why I opened this up with saying, what well, how can, did you feel? What can, Tell us about di- that. what can writing do? I felt more... I don't know what you would say. More embedded, more disassociated. So it got you a bit high. Yeah, 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 yeah. Bit of a dopamine hit there. Maybe, maybe you'd say my sense of self became part of the world of writing, the world that he wrote. Like when you have you ever read like a novel for ten hours straight, and then it's hard to come back to the. Or it's it takes a minute to get back into your body, that kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It felt like I was coming off something, and I don't know if he intended to write that or if he was just on like a whole bunch of speed that when he wrote this or something <laughs> yeah. like that, because he did a lot of that too. But uh, did you I don't feel know, like the, illuminated? Yeah, yeah, illuminated, but not in a rational way. I guess you could say it. It more felt like a poem Art. hit me. Then, oh, I understand the argument finally. 